You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. 3CR and Uprise Radio are produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We acknowledge that we live and work on stolen land, sovereignty has never been ceded, and send our respect to Wurundjeri elders past and present and all First Nations people listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their resistance to the ongoing violence of the settler colonial state. time of recording, it has been a month since the devastating floods that inundated large parts of northern New South Wales and Queensland. At the time, and still now, the enormity of the disaster is hard to fathom for those in other parts of the country. In Lismore, the flood waters exceeded previous flood records by two metres, and there are no parts of the community of 30,000 who have not been affected. Many are still homeless, with the loss of all of their possessions, and the clean-up effort led incredibly by the local community continues. The government response to the floods has been pathetic, more of a PR opportunity than support. To date, only 40 motorhomes have arrived to provide accommodation relief, but upon arrival, deemed unable to be occupied as bedding and water had not been secured. Peter Dutton, the man who joked about rising sea levels in the Pacific, made a GoFundMe for flood relief in his electorate. Rental relief has been offered, however, there are so few houses undamaged and the requirements for identification documents to receive the payments for many have been lost. Since the ongoing crisis, Peter Dutton, as Defence Minister, has dedicated billions of dollars to defence spending and projects to improve so-called Australia's national security, while community volunteers and organisations like the Koori Mail lead the clean-up and support networks in places affected by the floods. There is no doubt that the intensity of these floods can be linked to the climate crisis. While local councils quibble over the inclusion of the words climate change in relation to the floods, there are currently major flood warnings in place for the, climate, for the Lismore area. With communities still recovering from the bushfires of 2019 and 2020, many still at risk of the pandemic with limited support, and now the floods in large part of the East Coast, the government continues to gaslight and violently refuse to engage in any capacity to support communities in time of crisis, and instead dangerously and dogmatically pushes ahead with a gas-led recovery and further planetary destruction while abandoning so many. We are very fortunate today to be joined by Leandra to discuss their experience of the floods and the clean-up. Leandra is a southern Aranda woman living on Widgeable Weeble country at Terrania Creek. Thanks so much for joining us, Leandra. Hi. To to start off, could you talk about your experience and, and how you're going? Yeah, I guess I'll share my story, which is just only one small fragment of a much larger picture. But exactly one month ago, a major rain event uh, happened in up here in northern New South Wales and at Trainee Creek. Uh, it was measured, I think, 930 millimetres to fall in 12 hours. So that's almost a year's worth of rainfall in half a day. Um, I've, I live pretty close to the creek, but 
high enough up that we thought there's no way the creek would get up there, but know that all that water is going to live more and much more. Um, but yeah, just went to, to bed on the night before everything, before shit really hit the fan and woke up before sunrise the, the next day and went outside because there was no power, which I thought was weird because we're on solar and when I shine the torch, uh, yeah, under our cow port and outside of our house was just covered in soil and rocks and I didn't really know what had happened but I woke up my partner and we realised there'd been a, a landslide and as the yeah, because it was still dark at this point it was kind of hard to grasp around what was going on and oh, as wow. the sun began to rise just uh, having a look up around and see, oh, okay, there's a big tree fallen on my partner's car. And then when the sun fully came up, we had to look up because we live in a very steep, narrow part of the valley at the bottom of the hill. Um, our nearest neighbour's probably 50 metres away from us, above us. And we had looked up and actually the whole front of the, the shed had fallen away and there was a big landslip and... Edge, the very edge of their house was now like a 10 or 15 metre soil cliff with boulders hanging out of it. <laughs> it's just surreal. Like it's hard, it's hard to imagine what, you know, what did you feel and, and not knowing and seeing it in the dark and not really having a, a sense of the enormity of it. Yeah, not really in that moment knowing, grasping what, what had happened, I guess, like uh, just Weren't really, we weren't really sure if it was safe to walk up there or around because it was still pissing down rain so much. And we tried to get through to them on the phone to see if they were okay and we couldn't get through to them, even though they were so close. So, yeah, we spent, we did our season come out later in the morning when they woke up and realised what had happened. <clears throat> and... Yeah, we stayed there for another couple of days. Yeah, two nights, I think, before I was just very on edge. So we decided to, to evacuate. Not knowing whether it was going to, you know, if there was more landslides going to happen or if you were safe there or even safe to get out, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Well, the type of soil there, and there's a lot of springs inside of the, yeah, it's fairly clay, rich, sticky, slippery soil, and it was so saturated that. It only takes a little bit of rain normally for springs to flow from the bottom of the hill around the house, but so basically just waterfalls pissing out of the uh, landslip oh. <laughs> and all around. So just, yeah, feeling really un- uncertain. I don't really know much about landslips and haven't thought about too, too much about them before. So it was, um, that was unpredictable to me. And and when you did decide to leave, did you have to walk out? Yeah, so we'd gone just for a small walk the day before to check it out, what it would be like, see if we could maybe get a lift up out of the valley. Um, yeah, and I don't think we realised how much carnage had happened. We had to walk out of the valley because in a single night the creeks had carved new paths and what used to be a causeway or road across the creek uh, no longer existed and the creek slowed down 
a new direction. So, wow, that's that's wild, and, and especially in the place that you're living, that you have such an intimate knowledge of, and then just seeing it change so dramatically. Yes, to, and just I guess as you're walking out, it's about eight kilometres to the village, just seeing the amount of carnage and the amount of landscape as well. And by the time we got to this one major roadblock, but there's a lot of slips on the roads and a lot of unsafe parts to drive on. There was just local people who come down with their own machines, basically trying to create a, an access path for emergency vehicles to be able to get in and out. Um, yeah, and when we got to the village, we uh, met a friend who had actually decided to come and look for us and wanted us to come up and stay with him because he was worried. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose that, you know, in, in a small community where people know it's just and there's no power or you're cut off with phone lines, how much anxiety around not knowing whether people are okay or not. That's right. Well, there's actually, yeah, pretty much no telecommunications. They were cut off into towered windows or something like that. And but when we did arrive into the village, we were pretty much greeted for and accounted by or by, yeah, a group of people who obviously had been non-affected mm-hmm. and lived around the village and come together and straight away started organising and figuring out where people are and what's happened. You know, they're asking us to draw a mud map about the roadblocks on the way and trying to organise what's happening, where, what's the state of the roads happened, who's where and how can access be created. Yeah, and, and just on that, I mean, what... In terms of the community response, you know, like you said, everyone sort of just jumped into gear and to, to get those networks organised. And in terms of the cleanup in the in the months since, what's the the community response been like? And also, I suppose, in terms of the lack of support from the state, if any, what's it been like on the ground? It was uh, apparently touted quite a bit that the defence force was coming in to... I basically did anything I could get in the external world while I was at home during this event was the ABC emergency radio and the same the defence force is coming and I've just come to realise that I'm not sure what they're doing mm. exactly because it took about two weeks for them to do yeah to do anything my partner's mum lives in Lismore on the river and fortunately she wasn't there when the flood happened um, she's in her late 70s, but before we could really run the rainies up a bit, go and deal with the landscape, we into lose more and start dealing with that catastrophe. And yeah, we just see being defense force people just walking around and no one's really giving a hand or doing anything. And also, when we did for about the first two weeks, did run into two members of the Defence Force on at Trania Creek wandering along and it pretty much felt like they were sightseeing and they had a script of what to say to the members of the public if they interacted with them. And that just ran a cycle of like, yes, this is bad and we're going to do something, but they didn't do anything. So it's just empty words and platitudes to people who have gone through this in, in, insane, awful experience. That's right, and where I live, sorry, Trenny Creek is quite high up in the catchment, so all of the hills 
around the headwaters of the creeks that all flow into Lismore. It's very thick country and a lot of landslips have happened and, you know, we're hearing stories of, you know, oh, there's up to 50 people still missing in Upper Wilson's Creek and the Defence Force aren't doing anything and there's a local rock climbing crew that's climbing up the escarpment and lowering people down. And it's like, what are they doing here then if they're not doing anything to look for people that was two weeks later. That's the most well-funded institution in the one of the richest countries of the world and they're not even doing anything to save the lives of, of their own citizens. Yeah, and it's, and it's disgusting. And, you know, and also, like, since within this kind of month-long period there's been all of these... Uh, announcements about money being allocated to increase the defence force capabilities, um, you know, under the federal government. It's kind of not really stating that they'll increase the ADF capacities to help in, quote, natural disasters. But they've turned down, you know, multiple offers for firefighting planes, you know, slip-on firefighting rigs in the fires were crowdfunded. And as you said, their complete lack of support in the floods, like, in, and their minimal role on the ground and the level of the community-led response. Do you think, like, money surely would be better spent going towards grassroots community training and recovery efforts, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, recovery and response is just one one element of, of dealing with the disaster. You know, obviously the best time to deal with the disaster is before it happens. And pre- with preparation and yeah, education and mitigation, although obviously collectively we're not heading down the path of mitigation with no uh, ideas of stopping burning fossil fuels to drive industrial capitalism uh, anytime soon, apparently. But yeah, I definitely think that it'll be having going through this experience thing how people reacted on the ground, community response. Didn't really see cops, army people, government, people from the government, even the local government, for at least two weeks. Um, I guess people learn as well through experience and, as you mentioned in the introduction, the 2019-2020 bushfires aren't long ago, but also a serious major flood caused by Cyclone Debbie here in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yes, I guess preparation for resilience in disasters is kind of a... is a lot... is quite rooted in community. Most definitely. And, you know, obviously it's been a really (laughs) intense time physically and emotionally. I'm wondering if you... With the local council up there, I know that they wanted to remove the words climate change in their response to the floods, Um, and I think they've put their flood mitigation research, the local council, on hold whilst the CSIRO flood mitigation study is um, being undertaken. Is that right? So it's actually the the community consultation. It's like a, a a couple of representatives from council and community members uh, who represent community on the floodplain committee and they've just finished a public consultation process. Ironically, the feedback period ended just a few days before the flood 
event happened. And, yeah, we've had an, a local election in December, which has brought a balance of power to, you know, pretty strong right-wing feel up here. And, yeah, a lot of things are, are changing quickly. And pretty much every time I think something can't get worse, this year it does. And that especially involves the local political arena. And and I wonder, you know, what is the, you know, what what we've seen down here, the images of, of the floods. You know, look, they look like something. You know, that and my co-host Jackson, who couldn't join us today, says he looks biblical in nature almost. Um, and wondering what's the mood in your community, not just amongst activists who are maybe you know sort of talking about climate change and these things as a as a result, but. Has there been any sense of uh, change of mood more broadly with the experience of the floods about climate change and feeling of, feelings about the future? Uh, I don't know that people have really been able to process everything still. I think fatigue's really starting to set in now and adrenaline's just been going so hard for the last month that there's, and there's been a lot of anger and pain and grief, which is so understandable. Um but, for example, I've interacted with people at local markets in the past who were affected by the fires and obviously had a bit of trauma from that experience. Also, totally valid, but they didn't see the 2019-2020 fires as a climate change event. And, yeah, I think there's still quite a bit of people in Lismore who, who don't associate this flood with, with climate change, yeah. unfortunately. But in my local community at the Channel, uh, definitely people do associate these events with climate change as part of a broader environmental crisis, including ecological collapse. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as you said, the fatigue is starting to kick in and I suppose it's going to be, it's not just the the support for the recovery but also for the emotional recovery for all of you up there who've gone through this too you know Um, there needs to be ongoing support for for the trauma that everybody's experienced that's right there's just thousands of people displaced all of a sudden i'm so fortunate that a shed of my friend's property came up and i've been able to move into there which is like the best case scenario ever because i don't really feel like I can go into the Lancet house. Yeah. And a lot of people, there's already a housing crisis here, a massive shortage, and now it's just increased even more. And a lot of people actually have already had to move back into their homes. And I just wanted to highlight the fact as well that a lot of people are very triggered right now because it's exactly one month since this flood event happened and we're now experiencing the same conditions, weather conditions which created that event mm-hmm. now and as a, a moderate to major flood warning for the Lismore. Oh my goodness. It's just non-stop. It's just uh, it's bad for people. And even up here in the hills, the roads are really bad and we're not a priority like the council's aren't even going to care about the the people in the hills pretty much left to our own, own devices and there's some the roads are really in carnage pretty much how I mentioned earlier the what the roads were able to actually be opened 
for emergency access because of local people putting in their time, energy and skills and coordinating to get it done. But there's still a lot of road slips on cutting on the side of mountains and cliffs that are like unstable and these communities are one road in, one one road out. So we don't really know if the road could just slip away at any point in time, especially in a raid event like this. And then everyone on the... uh, on one side of the slip is isolated. It's it's hard to fathom, you know, the anxiety that comes with that, and especially, you know, um, it's awful that you're having to go through this again with it raining like this again, you know, just the, the tension that that would bring. Um, yeah, I guess it's just, uh, yeah, devastating. Yeah, there's only one, one way to describe it. Have you been able to get back to, to your place? Yeah, I've gone down and done a bit of work, so... Basically, the landscape blocked any access in and out of the property by vehicle. It's very steep driveways, uh, like very steep and already just dirt and it's so muddy and springy there. Um, but we went down and sawed up a bit of trees that had come over in the street, but pretty much had to get an excavator to go down and clear the driveway. And I just, yeah, wanted to mention that the excavator was in the in a creek trying to create access from an isolated community on the far side of when the council finally showed up in Trainee Creek and then they went down there and told me I had to stop public stop private works and come and do do public works for them. Seriously? Yeah. And it was really made me feel really angry. Yeah. <laughs> that they showed up then and and tried to say that but actually this individual I'm pretty sure he's just been doing both like work for them and then have seen him going out to our site at like 5pm on a Sunday just trying to get a couple of hours in before before night time so pretty sure he's just been working non-stop to get people uh, no longer isolated which you imagine would be a priority and, and as you said, you know, the council sort of leaves um, the folks up in the hills to their own devices, so I would assume that withdrawing those sort of resources from those areas doesn't mean that they're going to redistribute them back to there either. No, it doesn't. Uh, their priorities are probably more centralised roads around Lismore. Mm-hmm. Um, even, for example, yeah, I know the community in the next valley over Wineline, they did get a food drop from the army by helicopter, but our valley, they just got sick of waiting for the food drop, so that had to be coordinated by the community as well, food and water drop, and that's ongoing, that support as well. And it could have to kick in again if the roads slip away to another level again. If that happens again, and is that, um, you know, food and water drops and, and access to goods and food, is that something that there is... Um, supply of in the town centres or is there, you know, the supplies of those sort of things dwindling because of access? Well, at the moment there is. There's been a lot of donations of food in Tullismore, which has been really amazing and that's been distributed even at Corey Mail, for example, during bringing some of that, their donations out to Training Creek. But for the first little while there was a a shortage in food supply and petrol as well. 
Santiago Limited, you know, you can only get twenty dollars for petrol at the store and that has to run machines as well. Mm-hmm. That is doing all this work. And and so that the Koori Mail fundraiser is the Bunjalung Community Flood Relief, I believe. Um yeah. and if they've been doing work that for all of our listeners who are maybe looking for a way to, to offer support to people in the communities. Um, suggest to, to go and check that out absolutely and follow Koori Mail on the socials. Yeah, they've been uh, absolutely fantastic with hands on in the ground on the ground and and ongoing. Obviously in the first immediate response there's a lot more support and those resources sort of dwindle off but Koori Mail is just very strong and yes, they're still doing a lot of work. And I think that's a really good place investigators, people are wondering how they can help because that's real, real, real tangible stuff being implemented there. Most definitely. And, yeah, when we put this up on Uprise Radio, so, Uprise Radio socials, we'll pop the link up there for people to, to go straight there to donate. And before we finish up, Leandra, what, you know, you spoke about when we spoke prior about that there are really important lessons to be learnt from this. I was just wondering if you could touch on that maybe, on what, you know, the, the key takeaways or what you would like to see happen if that's some, something that's in your capacity at the moment. Yeah, basically there's no point waiting around to help for some or safety from some external source like the so-called Australian government. Climate change is here now. These events are predicted to increase in intensity and frequency and we have that has definitely not been disproved over the last few years we're just seeing it unfold and rather than basically learning from this experience if we sit around and wait for help we're we're not going it's not going to come we need to get organized in our communities and a big part of that is just networking who's your neighbors communicating with people, what's the risks in the areas you live in. Uh, yes, community resilience on an emotional level as well as practical have a, have emergency response plans if there's any particular hazards in your area like fires or floods. But, yeah, I'm, I'm imagining it's, it's only going to keep getting worse. So... Uh, yeah, I guess we better get organised and prepared. It's, it's basically up to us. Yep, absolutely. I can definitely get behind that. Thanks so much for joining us, Leandra, um, and thanks for sharing and you know thinking of you. And I hope that you're okay up there, especially at the moment with more rain coming. Any ways in which we can support, we're always here. No worries. Thanks for having me and uh, letting this. Thank you. Take care. After we spoke, Leandra wished to highlight the importance of remembering and respecting those who have lost their lives in the floods and to their loved ones who, with little to no support, have been searching for the stories of what happened to their families while mourning their loss. She also highlighted the heavy grief that their deaths have hardly been acknowledged in the broader narrative around this disaster. If you wish to contribute financially to the flood relief efforts on the ground, visit gofundme.com and search for Bundjalung Community Flood Relief by the Koori Mail.
This has been Uprise Radio on Community Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. I've been your host, Mercedes. Thanks so much to Leandra for joining us and thanks to all you out there listening. Oh, the pillars of society cruise down the road each day. They got the economic wherewithal we can't afford to pay. Got them numbered bank accounts, the system assures they win. They exploit the population around the outside looking in. Them pillars of society, drivers like a tool, for them that's cool. They drive Mercedes, Benz, and Porsches, live Rolls Royce, Gillette lives. You can tell the affluent, effluent from the status symbols that they drive. When you're on the dole queue, They'll tell you to your face You're a blood, you're on their system And a blight in the human race Them pillars of society Drive us like a tool For them that's cool Well, they grace the social pages They always make the news At the church on Sunday They crowd in the front pews There's a hierarchy of dominance With a power at the top if you think you found the magic key, you find they changed the locks and pillars of society. Drive us like a tool for them, that's cool. Well, I'm walking down the on their dotted line I'd like to make decisions But they won't allow the time It says religion is the opium I say the media's the cocaine 24 hours of propaganda Drugging my poor brain Them pillars of society Drive us like a tool for them That's cool CR Community Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.